I'm very interested in what is called teal organizations. I know in the Netherlands, where you're from, they, that was a really big thing uh, a decade ago. And there are really interesting um, studies on self-organizing groups and how productive and outside of the box they can be. This is a podcast called Walk, Talk, Listen. An attempt to connect people and make this world a bit better by sharing opinions and experiences based on the belief that everyone's perspective is true, albeit partial. My name is Maurice Bloom, and I would like to welcome you to yet another episode of Walk, Talk, Listen. Hey everybody, this is uh, yet another episode of the podcast Walk, Talk, Listen, and as always, I'm delighted with today's guest, who will introduce herself. Um, Osa, please go ahead. Hey everybody, I'm Osa Skogstrømfeldt, and I am a Swedish uh, changemaker that is very passionate about the world and how we can all live together in a constructive, inclusive, and empathetic way. And my background uh, is that I was always curious about people and what drives them, and especially people from different backgrounds and contexts. So when I was in my early 20s, I did a backpacking trip to Africa, uh, to Tanzania. And I was so impressed with the people and how they were sharing and positive and inviting me, even though they had nothing. And I think in a way that defined the whole rest of my life, although I didn't act on it until many years later. So when I came back to Sweden, I studied sales, marketing, management, uh, international business and I was working uh, in the corporate world in many different uh, corporates both in the Nordic countries but also in Middle East in Africa and in Germany and then after 17 years I was starting to feel that I needed to do something different working in a stock exchange company with very short foresight for us who were close to the customers, really made me reevaluate what I was doing. And then I thought to myself, well, didn't I say that some, at some point in my life, I wanted to do something for people living in Africa and around the world? Well, when am I going to do that? Why not do it now? And when I was in that search mode, I read about an NGO that was called The Hunger Project, and they were really leading change 
through people. So community-led development as opposed to top-down leadership. And I really believed in that method. That's also my type of leadership uh, over the years. So I reached out to them and it so happened that they uh, were restarting uh, their organization in Sweden. So I took on that role. So building it again uh, over eight years, which was really a fantastic learning experience that later on also led to that I became the global president and CEO uh, based from New York, but working with all the 23 countries of the organization. And that's how we met in, in, uh, in New York when you were working in New York, right? Yeah. Um, that's how we met, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a couple of years ago now. So, you know, if you look back at that period with um, the Hunger Project, what are you most proud of? I'm very proud of um, having been part of the Sustainable Development Goals because I think that thinking of the previous goals, the Millennium Development Goals, they never really caught on in society. But Mm -hmm. now, thanks to the very inclusive process with 9 million people giving input, both corporates and governments and citizens uh, really made it visible from the start. So I was really proud of being part of that movement. And we actually, at the day of the inauguration of the goals, we launched an NGO coalition called uh, the Movement for Community-Led Development, where we uh, managed to get many NGOs that were working with similar methods to join the alliance so we could drive the people-focused work forward together in a bigger scale. And and that movement is still going on. Actually, my organization is also part of it. That's how we we, uh, started to collaborate, right? Um, So, you know, the the, the SDGs or the Sustainable Development Goals are also very close to my heart. If you, you know, and I try to promote it and and make people aware um, you know within this podcast as well about it if if um, you know if you have to explain to you know our audience why it's important um, that they know about this and they try to contribute also towards working towards reaching those goals what would you say I think those 17 goals Uh, They are a mix of social challenges and environmental challenges. And I think they are, uh, first of all, we have all agreed upon them through our joint uh, UN representation. And secondly, I think they're a great compass for what is important for people and the planet and the future. So I think you if you want to have guidance on what to focus on, it's really a good idea to look into both the goals and the different indicators under each of them that can guide your work uh, on sustainability if you're a corporate, for instance, but also for NGOs, for governments, where to invest uh, your time and money. And also it's being measured and followed up maybe not 
to a perfect extent, but at least we can track progress or non-progress and redirect funding towards where it's needed the most. But then, after having worked for a couple of years for the Hunger Project, you went back to Sweden and also back to IKEA, or not really back, was a difference. Can you explain a little bit about that? Sure. So the first time I was at IKEA, they were looking into if it's possible to do business with social enterprises. Because uh, IKEA had for a long time of course, been doing business, but also had a foundation that was purely philanthropic. But they saw that in the, in the civil society sector, there was a new type of uh, companies, the social businesses, the social entrepreneurs that were in the intersection between philanthropy and business. And they were interested in seeing, can we do business? And by doing that also, partner and support them to grow so they can work with more vulnerable groups and be even more inclusive. So that was my first role. And that was, yeah, a decade ago, maybe. And then I came back and it was time to see how can we work in that intersection a little bit more because it was still philanthropy or business relationship. But there was still something missing in the middle. So we created a social enterprise and it's called IKEA Social Entrepreneurship. Uh, and we can do support, we can work with grants, we can work with development programs directly with social enterprises or uh, in partnership with NGOs like Ashoka, Acumen, Nest, and others, and support the development of the social businesses uh, in their scaling up efforts. So it's really a hybrid type of working where we combine uh, the best of impact investment with business, but not only doing business, but also to learn. Because we see that there are many things that will affect business long term. Of course, climate is one thing, but also the growing inequalities is really a threat towards us all. So by working with um, social businesses, we also find social innovation that we can take into our own uh, organization in our value chains, for instance, or in how we we integrate ourselves into markets. And if I'm not mistaken, if I did my homework properly, you work in six areas, your six focus areas, is that correct? Yeah, it depends on how you cut it. We work across the world um, in many different areas, all the way from Mexico and Chile to East Africa to Indonesia and Europe. Uh, but then we also look into different types of sectors. Okay. It can be smallholders or informal workers or indigenous people. The people who are uh, having the hardest time to have a decent income and a decent livelihood.
and and if I ask you and and people are always annoyed with me that I force them to choose but if you have to you know say oh this is really you know a project that I'm so proud of that we are doing at the moment which project would you or initiative would you uh, mention to our audience well I think one that actually has given also our co-workers a lot of new learnings is uh, an accelerator program we do together with Ashoka a global accelerator where we have 10 to 12 different social businesses per cohort and we look into systems change. So how uh, these social enterprises can really intervene in systems and not only grow their organization organically, but also influence. So we see a total uh, solution to a challenge and I think trying to understand systems change working with theories of change getting all the change pathways to come together I think that's also a very useful way of looking at things in a business because we all are in very complex situations right now there is no easy fix to the challenges we are facing. So I'm very proud that we, we have managed to really start to dive deeper into systems change work. Yeah, and, and I think it's clear that, that uh, unfortunately our world has created system and systems that are not sustainable. If you look at the food system, it, you know, it clearly needs to, needs to change. Um, what I actually, I, IKEA was in the news one or two days ago, the part of a number of uh, other agencies that are looking at, at carbon zero uh, transport. Is that correct? That's, yeah, that's correct. We have joined an alliance. It's part of our uh, business direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to be keeping affordable and accessible, but also contributing to a people, society, and planet positive future. So by 2030, we, we want to have a lot of goals reached, and one of them is to be uh, net positive in uh, carbon. Yeah, the last question about IKEA is how, if, if there are organizations or people out there that would like to partner, how, how should they approach this? They, if they're a social business, they can have a look at our webpage, which is ikeasocialentrepreneurship.org. Okay. And they can find ways of getting in contact with us. Okay, great. And we'll make sure that we mention that in the, in the notes of the podcast. Um, mm-hmm. Also, it's, it's also, well, you know that this podcast is a spin-off of my 100-mile walk. I just finished it, actually, last Sunday. Congratulations! Um, but I, yeah, <laughs> I'm still sore. <laughs> I feel, are, are, uh, yeah, I, I clearly I'm getting older. It's, it's if I compare it with ten years ago, I'm not as fast anymore. But uh, okay, that's life, I guess. Um, but um, yeah, if if you would be asked to walk uh, 100 miles, so that means 15 to 20 miles per day in a week, yeah, why would you walk? I would walk, I believe, for the same reason as I'm doing this work I'm doing, I would uh, walk to um, give women 
that are marginalized or vulnerable a voice who normally necessarily are not part of the discussion or not sitting at the table, but have important things to share and have um, challenging situations uh, in their everyday life. So definitely for the women of the world. And, and maybe a related questions, but for some people, it's also uh, different. So when you, I don't know, I, I, I use an alarm clock myself because otherwise I will sleep the whole day. But, um, you know, let's assume that you use an, an alarm <laughs> clock as well. When it goes off in the morning, what makes you that you, you know, get out of bed and start uh, the day? Well, I believe I'm, and I, I know I'm very privileged to be able to do this work. And that's why I get out of bed, uh, because I can be part of making a change, making the world hopefully more inclusive. And that really gets me going and makes uh, everything I do very worthwhile. Um, you know, when I... Uh, do my 100 mile walks uh yeah very often we talk about you know what is the purpose of life what drives you and and then many of the conversations they they are also about uh, spirituality about religion um you know the questions about yeah but, but it's it's all related with the purpose um what for me is an is an interesting conversation is when it's linked with the younger generation because some of my co-workers either you know walk with me physically or, or virtually say well it seems that this younger generation looks at religion and spirituality differently uh, the way they uh, um, look at institutionalized religion etc so uh, and others say no it's very similar um so if you look in your environment and at the younger people, the younger generation, what do you see um, in with regard to the youth, the younger people, as well as religion, spirituality, and, and yeah, mm. you, you know their their perspective on life? It's a really good question. Now I live in Sweden, which is a very secular society, and so religion is not really entrenched in the way of life here and hasn't been for quite a while. Mm -hmm. So for young people, I think um, for one group, now sustainability is kind of the new religion. Being climate activists and caring about the future. And you know, Greta Thunberg, she's from Sweden. Yeah. So Fridays for Future is really a way that uh, young people get active together and get a voice. Mm -hmm. And so that's one part. And, and these young people are very, very aware of everything we do and what needs to change and quite frustrated about that there is no visible change happening and there is only a lot of talk. The blah 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 that Greta spoke about in her last speech. <laughs> but then on the other side, we have uh, another big group of young people who are not engaged at all. So I think there is a big polarization mm. going on, uh, which 
probably will not be helpful when it comes to the growing inequalities going forward. Mm. Also, you know, my um, organization exists uh, this year, 75 years. So this is not only a, a time of celebration, but also of reflection. So one of the things that uh, we are looking at is, you know, how did we do uh, with regard to racial justice? How did we do? And, you know, if we think about the future, what should we do? So if I ask you to, um, to give a report card, um, no, yeah, to give out a grade, you know, uh, to the NGO sector as a whole uh, about racial justice. What do you think? How do you think NGOs did? And and I know it's it's difficult to generalize, but I'm asking you anyway to, yeah, what, what yeah, what are the things that, uh, yeah, how did we do as a sector? Well, first of all, I think this is a very important topic and something we all need to tackle together. It's not only for NGOs to tackle. I think it needs to be cross-sector work. And of course, it is deeply entrenched in all societies and uh, more or less visible, more or less violent, more or less subtle. And the challenge is when it gets more subtle, it will probably not be addressed. So I think the NGO sector has done a good job in shining light on challenges and also trying to engage others. But of course, there is always so much more that can be done. And I would say that all aspects of inequality are uh, difficult and growing right now. The growing inequalities is really a challenge for the future. And when it comes to Sweden, where I live, we probably discuss more around integration and discrimination, but it's all interconnected, of course. And the NGO and social enterprise sector here does a lot of work with uh, specifically access to jobs and income opportunities. So language training, vocational training, networks, internships, to try to break the segregation. And like in many societies, of course, a network means everything. And uh, it is very hard to get into the Swedish society, if you're a migrant or refugee, or even, even if you have an academic background and long, long experience. And if you can get someone to open the door, the first door, mm -hmm. or if you can be the one opening that door, we would uh, not miss out on so much potential and so much talent that gets wasted here today. And I, mm -hmm. I hope and, and also have seen that at least uh, since we have free education uh, all the way through to university, uh, it makes it a little bit easier to break the cycle of exclusion. And, and um, what are some of the things that your company is doing about this? We are uh, very committed to both being an inclusive business and to promote equality in all the different ways we can do. 
And the work I do, for instance, with supporting social enterprises and uh, work, especially the ones that work with vulnerable communities and populations, we have a big focus on supporting, accelerating, shining light on, and partnering with them. And hopefully that can also contribute to a more equal society. You know, I, I, I think there are a lot of, we have a lot of challenges um, at, at the moment in this world. Mm. Um, yeah, well, what do you worry about most? I think I worry about that we don't get to action. I think we have, we have managed to set the goals. We have even managed to set the indicators of the goals. But, and we talk a lot about collaboration, making it together in partnership. And the goal 17 is about partnerships. But to be honest, I, I really don't see any new actions coming up. It's still, we're still saying the same thing. We're still dwelling in the challenge, not in the solutions. So that keeps me up at night. I think you um, really need to find new ways of working together because we cannot solve this one by one or 10 by 10 or in, in groups. We need to have a joint vision and commit to it and act together. Where do you still see hope? Well, it's interesting. I, I'm following a new uh, um, movement that is called the inner development goals. I think that's super interesting because the sustainable development goals are still very factual, but what type of leadership will it take to create that new future together? And that is a, a leadership style that is more empathetic, that is more, uh, inclusive and uh, all the things we have been talking about. So the inner development goals are now being um, researched and developed and will hopefully be part of uh, the UNESCO and the UN commitment going forward. So mm -hmm. that gives me hope. And I see that there are both governments, institutions, and corporates, and uh, universities that are now joining that movement. So maybe we can see a breakthrough in new ways of living going forward. It's very interesting. In the, the previous episode, I talked with Brian Buck, and um, you know he, he talks about servant leadership. And um, mm. so, so, you know, so it's, it's interesting that, that we often talk about leadership. How do you try to, you know, become a better or, or remain a, a good leader? I do believe I am a servant leader. I'm trying to, first of all, um, I'm trying to enroll co-workers that stand in the same basic values. And that is also one of the IKEA strengths that we have very clear values. And that is the first uh, criteria. And then we look at uh, your other capabilities and the competence. So I'm trying to create a diverse team that complement each other. And I'm very interested in 
what is called teal organizations. I know in the Netherlands, where you're from, they, that was a really big thing uh, a decade ago. And there are really interesting um, studies on self-organizing groups and how productive and outside of the box they can be. So um, I give a lot of responsibility, but I'm also trying to facilitate when things get stuck mm -hmm. so that we can continue together uh, towards our result. And as long as we get to the result we want to create, the way we get there doesn't really matter. Are you, you know, because you are for, for many, many years already a, a leader and in charge of organizations, how do you, are you coached yourself by, by do you have people you go to? Yes, I, I always have had uh, mentors and coaches mm -hmm. throughout. Uh, I actually became a leader already when I was 23, so I've had a long experience. I wish I had a, would have had a coach back then, but that wasn't mm -hmm. really a thing then but and especially if you are a CEO or if you are in the executive level sometimes it's quite lonely mm -hmm. and you don't want to bounce everything off with your team sometimes you have some tough decisions you have to make uh, or other things that gets in your way so I'm, I always try to have um, coach slash or mentor. You know, I, I love music, so I always have a question about music as well. So um, if I ask you to come up with a piece of music or a song that embodies, you know, for the big part, what you are about, um, yeah, what song or piece of music would you uh, share with us? Yeah, that was a really uh, tricky <laughs> one. <laughs> there are so many good ones. But, and then I thought about a band that uh, I know is really committed to the SDG, which is um, Coldplay. Okay. And Coldplay has a song that is about, um, it, I think it's called Miracles, but it's about that everyone is uh, special. So you can be whoever you want to be. Uh, and heaven is inside of you and you have the fire in your eyes and you can go further than you believe or everyone else believes. So it's a lot about believing in yourself and having a vision and go for it. Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah. And, and so just a reminder for the listeners. So uh, we made a Spotify playlist for the Walk Talk Listen, hashtag Walk Talk Listen. And then you see all the songs that have been selected um, or chosen by my uh, the guest of this podcast. So it's really interesting. You know, we have from heavy metal to classical music to um, um, musicals as well as, as pop. Um, and Coldplay is, is actually, I saw that uh, band during uh, in, in, the, in New York City. Um, how, did, how did this called? Global Citizen. Global Citizen. Yeah, I did too in Central yeah. Park. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was good. And they are great good. to walk to also. I think you will get some new energy from yeah. walking to this song. That's <laughs> <laughs> great. That's great. Yeah. Um, so, you know, these conversations always go fast. 
um, my last question for you is um, your do you have a message, an invitation or a question for the listeners? Yeah, my invitation is to think about a world, an equal world uh, going forward. And what is your contribution? How would you like the world to be uh, when your time is up? What would you like to have contributed with? And it doesn't have to be change the whole world, but maybe you have been empathetic to everyone you have met during your day or being inclusive or speaking up and inviting the ones that are not being seen or listened to. So that would be my, my invitation. What would you do tomorrow? Great. I, I think that's a great ending of, of this uh, conversation. Um, yeah, I, I really encourage uh, listeners to check out your webpage. I'll make sure that it is um, in the notes of the podcast. Thank you so much, um, Osad, you know, for your time and your willingness to speak with me today. Um, yeah, I, 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 I learned a lot. So, so uh, I hope, uh, I, well, actually, I'm sure the listeners as well. So thank you so much and, and good luck with everything you do. Thank you. It was a pleasure to see you again. Thank you for listening to Walk, Talk, Listen. Please check us out on 100mile.org or follow us on Facebook or Instagram. I just finished the 10th 100 mile walk and I really encourage you to check out our website 100mile.org to see how you can still contribute to this campaign. Thank you.